Hi, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of the FMNZ Leveled Up podcast. My name is Chanel, and today I'm lucky enough to be interviewing Fiona Gower. I've met Fiona a number of times over the years. She is a woman of many roles and talents and could be described as a true rural woman, having lived and worked in the rural sector most of her life, currently in Port Waikato. She is a national president for Rural Women New Zealand and has been a member for a long time, thoroughly enjoying the challenges and opportunities of which we will chat about more shortly. In terms of personal and professional development, much of the leadership training Fiona has received has been through Rural Women New Zealand, including Kellogg Rural Leaders Program in 2009 and the Agri Women's Development Trust Escalator Program in 2013. Having worked in rural service industries, she has a real understanding of the importance of building relationships and partnerships and the important role that women play in the agri sector. Fiona is very community minded. She was previously on the Onifero Tuakau Community Board and is the Deputy Chair of the Waikato Conservation Board. She's also involved with the Onifero Amateur Swimming Club Committee, Port Waikato Beach Care Committee, the Area School Calf Club, as well as helping out at many school events. She's also involved with the Life Saving Club, where she is a lifeguard and an instructor. And she's also a scout leader for the local Sea Scout troop. So without further ado, and I hope I pronounced everything correctly, hello, Fiona. Oh, hey, nice to be on board. Cool, so I thought we'd jump into it. Um, first of all, thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest. Um, I can't wait to learn more about what you're up to. So tell me a bit about yourself. How many kids do you have and what are their ages? Okay, so yeah, I've got um, two children. My daughter is, Emily is 14. She's at uh, Hamilton Girls Boarding now. And my son, Anthony, is 12, but he's at our local Onifero area school, about half an hour from where we live. Uh, we work or live and work on a corporate sheep and cattle farm uh, just surrounding Port Waikato, uh, amazing place. Um, looking for the rain and my heart go out to the thoughts with all those ones on West Coast at the moment with all the rain, which we could do yeah. with. Yeah, I was absolutely surprised to see that. I know we got a lot in the Mackenzie, um, but South Canterbury's largely missed out. So you guys have lived there for a while now? So we've been here for just on 11 years. And before that, we were at the back of Pew Pew in the King Country for, for quite a while. So um, it's been um, an amazing journey from place to place, slowly moving up north, north for the warmth, I think. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that a few times now. Moving up, <laughs> moving up is a good move. Um, yeah. So, yeah. what is what are the things that you like to do in your very limited spare time? Do you have any hobbies or things you do to fill your own cup or for your own me time? Well, me time is really, really important. It's something that we often talk about, and we're probably all guilty of not doing it enough because, as women, we tend to put ourselves way down the list of priorities. Uh, I do enjoy stress relief, believe it or not. I actually quite enjoy baking. I make a horrendous mess, but enjoy doing the creation and everybody enjoys eating it afterwards. Um, really enjoy getting out onto our coastline or somewhere and surf casting and going fishing and um, white baiting in the season. So lots of outdoor activities. And of course, a lot of my me time is spent with the family because that's really important that we do that as well. And because I'm away a lot, that, that really means a lot more to me as well. I bet you've heard the term before. Why don't you clean up as you go when it comes to baking? Because <laughs> that's, yes. that's my husband's go-to when I make a mess. 
Yes, because we don't have a thing like a, a dishwasher, so I can't hide anything in there. So yeah. I do tend to make a bit of a mess and reuse bowls, give them a rinse out and carry on again. Uh, I remember quite a few years ago, we hadn't been here long, and I was doing a huge baking session and the plunket nurse arrived mm-hmm. and there wasn't a clear space for her to put anything on. We had to go and sit outside because frantically baking, I think it was for the A&P show for some of the classes. So it was like, oh, yes, I do need to learn to clean up <laughs> after me. Um, I enjoy it. I enjoy the creation. Yes, absolutely. So you are a very busy woman. Um, are you are you feeling sort of comfortable with your current pace of life that you've got going on at the moment? I am actually. I really enjoy what I do because it keeps keeps me active, keeps my brain active. There are times I I say you know I don't want to play this game anymore. And, you know, stop the bus, let me off. <laughs> and when I get like that, I actually realise that it's time for me to stop and just have a break uh, because otherwise we just, I'm just not going to get the best out of myself. Um, and I've really learned to try and delegate, which is another thing to slow that pace down and say no, which is a really hard thing to do sometimes. But, yeah, sometimes I, I really enjoy at what I do and at the level I do it. It's just having that break time is really important to recharge batteries. Um, one of the things that we've talked about a lot on Farming Mums is around mum guilt. And this comes from many different ways and around many different subjects. And you seem to have a really good career, family, volunteer balance going on. Over the years, or have you suffered from mum guilt? Regularly. <laughs> I think just about every time I go away, uh, especially if it's more than for a couple of days, I do start feeling guilty because it's like, oh, I should be at home you know, nurturing my family, looking after them. And I think actually they're learning resilience. And it always seems to be when I'm away that things happen, like um, bones get broken or <laughs> someone gets really sick or something like that. And I'm stuck well away, go, I can't do anything. And you do feel guilty um, because you're not there with them all the time. But I think it's actually good for them in a way to learn a little bit of resilience going, actually, we have to learn to stand on our own two feet. So I make sure that I leave the list of where they should be and at what times and what they need. And I'll try and leave, as I say, baking in the tins and food so they do get through. And they're really, really um, very good at looking after themselves at home now. So it's not a problem. But all mothers will feel it when they go away or they start work. And I think it's really important that we put that aside at times because we have to look after ourselves and give ourselves that time and have something for ourselves as well because we we need that for for ourselves to grow as people yeah and it's also quite nice to have um dad being involved or family being involved as well so it's something that's really hard for me as well is that if i'm not there my husband will be or his parents will be or my parents will be and in the end it's really cool for the kids to get that time with them if not with me or with other people Yes, oh, absolutely. And I think that's the one thing about growing up in a, in a rural community and on, on, on farm, however, is that there is that flexibility and you have that closeness with neighbours or with, I mean, I don't have relations with me, but I've built up a really good uh, collection of friends. And if I'm really in desperate, I can go, help, can you go and grab Anthony off the bus or bring him home from swimming? And we'll do the same thing. And it's um, we've actually learned to 50-50 at home that if I'm away and uh, Anthony or the children need something, Terry will drop tools and he will go and pick them up from the bus and do things with them. So I make sure that when it's, he wants his time out, he gets it on there to make sure that 
whatever needs to be done is done. So it's very much a 50-50 relationship. And I'm really fortunate, and I'm sure hopefully a lot of us are in those, those positive relationships that you can share because you often hear people saying, oh, you know, from the, the bloke saying, oh, I'm babysitting my children. Actually, you're not. They're your children. So it's yeah. changing some of that language as well around, around what we do is really important. I really, really appreciate and like that. Um, and it is, a, it is a common issue that, you know, they're on the farm and then they can't be flexible. Is, you know, when, when you first, um, you know, started taking on more work and that 50-50 sort of switch happened, was there any resistance that you had to overcome or was it quite a natural um, situation? Well, I think it was to begin with because it was something quite new because I had always been there because... Uh, when we shifted, I wasn't working for for a long time, and so I didn't have anything else to do, and it actually sent me stir crazy. I must admit, for the first little while, um, so I was always there, and all of a sudden, um, I started going away, and then it changed things. And over time, we certainly relaxed it a bit more because having been in the job not that long, you, uh, I think it was like going, oh, I can't really afford to take time out. But over the years, as um, as we've progressed. It's become a natural progression that yes, we can do that, and we'll make up time or we'll make sure that it all gets done at some stage. Or so yeah, it certainly is great that we can do that, and um, there certainly hasn't been too much resistance in the last little while. Except sometimes it's like going, oh, you're away again. Uh, mm. So I have to try and limit it when I can, so so that I support my family and they know that I am around for them. Yeah, that's fantastic, and. You're so hands-on with the kids in the community and what they're involved with that it seems like, um, you know, even though that you're busy and traveling, you've actually really prioritized what's going on in your family's life and in your community. And I think that's really important to do because, you know, I've spent so much time up at school doing things and it's quite weird now that my son is in what they call middle school when we're not as involved as we're in junior school i'm not up there cooking the sausages as often or doing the timing at swimming or anything like that. it's quite quite different so getting involved in other ways is great but you get to know your community and the children that are involved in them and it's really great and it's good for your own self-worth as well going i've done these great things and you know, as we talk about putting in our career, these, these are things that look great. on. We don't do it to look on our CV, but it's actually those experiences that we can take into other roles that is important. But having those connections means that we can say to somebody, look, I can't make swimming this week or I can't make netball. Can you please grab the kids and I'll do it for you another time? And they'll do that. And I think that's, that's a great part of being in rural communities is that whole connection that we have. Yes, and, and your ability to do this and your willingness and for everyone else in the community is really crucial in keeping these rural communities um, ticking along because if there wasn't people like you, it would be very, very difficult. Um, I thought we'd move on to uh, talking about your career with rural women at the moment. Um, so you are the national president there. What... What does that involve and how did it start and how has that helped you being involved with an organisation like this um, as a rural woman? Oh, look, I've, I guess I've been involved since I was a child because my mother was a very strong member of the Tutanui Women's Division of Federated Farmers down in Martin. So as a child, we'd always be dragged along to different things and go to things. So it was always in my the back of my mind, it was there. And uh, when I had the children, I couldn't work anymore because of where we lived. It was just, 
it wasn't financially viable for me to go back. So I looked for something that I could use my brain and keep it active and keep myself involved in some way. So 13 years ago, I looked at joining rural women New Zealand locally around Tikawiti and um, started our own little group up where we were at the back of Pupil, a wonderful place called Waitangaru. And that's what got me involved in the organisation again because it was how can I use the skills I've learned and how can I keep my, myself sane without having to go out to work and struggle with childcare and things like that. So that's why I joined. So through the years, uh, I was really, really lucky with the support that I've had from women all over the country, especially that, that first group that I was involved in going through and saying, if you've got skills, how can we support you to grow yourself? So I took every opportunity to join a committee or get involved in a project or an event to learn how it all worked. And so I slowly worked up my, my way through the organisation until I was on the national board and had the opportunity to stand for the national president. So my role as national president is really being the, the face and the voice of rural women New Zealand and being the our face and, and dealing with a lot of our, our partners and the relationships that we have um, and speaking on issues that we've brought up, um, especially with decision makers. So a lot of that work as well as um, going out and meeting groups and seeing how we can support them. So it's a, it's a big job, uh, but I absolutely love it. Yeah, that's, I mean, I've seen you come up through it and it's absolutely fantastic um, what you're involved with at the moment. And it's great to be able to get this message out there um, outside of the rural women uh, groups. One of the questions that was um, put towards, uh, put forward, um, step by step, how did you get on to your first governance position? So, but I just touch on that because you've sort of, you, you've sort of covered that. Um, and what you've just talked about, but there is there anything that you would add add to that? Oh, absolutely. So I was um, prior to everything else. Um, when I was working, when I was younger, of course, I was in Young Farmers. So I worked up through different roles in the Young Farmers clubs as well. So through the the local clubs and, and did a lot at regional and national level as well. It gave me a first taste of that that leadership, which I really enjoyed and. Uh, it was a few years after that I did some other bits and pieces, you know, with different leadership organisations just to keep my hand in, uh, like Toastmasters. And then when I joined Rural Women New Zealand, it actually went, oh, I can do this, you know, and just working my way through step by step so I understood each role. And mm -hmm. I think that's a, you know, organisations like ours can give that opportunity to take on leadership roles and learn governance at, an, you know, a, a local level so you can actually understand the roles and what's expected of you and work your way through and I mean we're all on school committees, preschool committees, uh, swimming club committees however and that's well, actually a really good start to your governance learning and I guess that's how I always I started out as well was doing some of those roles and going actually I really enjoy this where can it take me and I guess it was the confidence after doing the Kellogg program in 2009 and then the um, Agronomist Development Trust Escalation in 2013 that I actually believed in myself enough to take that next step and I think we often talk about going oh, you know we're not good enough we I don't know enough to take on that role actually you probably do you just don't believe in yourself and um, we often talk about the imposter syndrome going oh, you know oh no I'm not suitable for that or no they won't want me to do that I and we've actually got to take that psyche out of our heads and there's a wonderful book about the imposter syndrome that talks about the coach and the critic 
don't listen to the critic who's in the one in the background going, oh, you can't do that. Listen mm. to the coach going, what's the worst that you can happen that you, if you take on a role? But probably that, you know, you'll be learning something and it's it's really important that we actually have a go because as women, we often just say, oh, look, I'm just a stay-at-home mum or I'm just working on the farm or I'm just on the local committee. Take that just out of your vocabulary and start talking about, actually, I can do these roles because this is what I've learned on my journey. So for me, it was getting that confidence to say, well, actually, I've had that experience. I'm going to have a go for this next role and learn from that one and then move up from there. So we can all do it. It's just believing in ourselves and having that confidence to do it. Yeah, and I think uh, instead of, um, I'm going all over the place here, but taking on from that, I think we've talked about this before, transferable skills. And I think this Mm. all sort of fits in together of that, you know, often that we've got that imposter syndrome and we don't feel like we have the skills needed to get to where we want to go. But can you tell me a bit about transferable skills and what you would uh, describe them as and how they can be used? Yeah, I'm sure. So transferable skills are something you often talk about that we do have. We often don't recognise them because they may be coming from roles that we're not getting paid for. I mean, I look at what we do in, in our on our, um, our properties, you know, in our um, everyday rural industries and our farming lives. Now we're, we're all doing finances, we're doing uh, negotiation skills, mediation skills, time management, all that sort of thing, as well as the practical work. And when we get on these committees, we are learning transferable skills where it might be being a treasurer, um, taking minutes, being the secretary, being the president or a chairman of something. You're learning skills as you go. And I think you can take those forward into another role, go, this is what I've learned, or this is what I've done, so therefore I can actually do other roles. And it might not be, it might be a community role that you can actually turn into a business role or an employment because you have those skills that you may not have recognised. Because often volunteer skills are not valued for what they actually teach us. And that's what I'm talking about, those transferable skills that we do learn in these clubs and these organisations that we're part of. You can take that into... Um, in a career or into other community groups and I think that's really important for us to recognize that and value it so that we can move forward yeah and I I think that yeah it does it does and I think that the transferable skills once you understand them and then you go to understand your values it once you bring all that together you'll get a really um, clear view of a pathway to head towards and I think that's something that I'd really like to encourage people to get into is understanding their transferable skills understanding their core values looking back at jobs or positions or um, situations they've been in what did you like what did you not like and how can we bring that all together to create something that we're really passionate about absolutely and I think that's really important that you actually look at what your strengths are what your interests are before so you can decide it because you may be really strong in something, but it's not a field that you're interested in. So there's a bit of a, a tension there. So it's actually making sure that it all balances together so you can take on a career or another role. And you know, I think organisations that we do get involved with give us that really good basis to actually step forward. And it's also the networking opportunities that we have, being involved in different community groups or organisations that you meet people and you can actually share that and go, actually, they've got it. They may have a role for you somewhere else that you can take on. So it's often who you know as well, as much as what you know, because it's that whole networking that can take you 
lots of places. And um, that's one thing that I've really, really appreciated with my role is that networking ability to, to meet people and, and try new things. So I, I do encourage that with people, with, with the ladies out there to have a go. And rural networks are so um, giving. <laughs> They're always so available to you. And as soon as you reach out, it's amazing how many hands come down and offer you support, offer you advice or words of wisdom and introduce you to other people. So I think that's something that New Zealand's rural community is very good at and something that we should not take lightly and really, really utilise. So coming back again to rural women, rural women has... What I might actually get you to do first, what yeah. does rural woman do? And then I'll break it down a little bit into further questions. What is what is rural woman's main main roles in, in New Zealand? Okay, so rural New Zealand has been around since 1925. And one of our main roles is supporting and strengthening rural women in their in their communities and supporting their families and the communities in which they live. And we do this in a number of ways. Uh, first, the big one we do is we're actually one of the leading rural authoritative voices for, for rural, so out there in our communities, talking about the issues that they have, whether it be education, health, social issues, environmental issues, and one things like broadband that we've been, rural broadband that we've been very, very strong on, and the maternal health issues, things like that. So uh, we've got a really strong voice that we can talk to decision makers there, and that's been a huge part of what we do. We also do a lot of the charitable work. So we give out grants, we give out bursaries at, at different levels. And the amazing work that our members do out there to support their rural communities through um, the giving of food or the, you know, the amazing knitting that gets done, the fundraisers that help to do things that like we've done quite a bit around leptospirosis and we've done two huge fundraising campaigns over the last 40 years to, to help reduce lepto and actually bring its awareness to people as well. So things like that that we do. And we also, the social support networking that we get out of being part of this is amazing. Um, you know, I feel as though I can go just about anywhere in New Zealand and be welcome at somebody's house and, and, and around the world from some of the other connections I have, which is, which is great. So, and we are there to support each other. And if, if somebody's needing help or support, there'll be somebody there going, what can I do? Here's the baking, here's some dinners. Um, right, I'm going to take you to something. And that's really neat for people in need. And actually that support of um, younger women that might not have family around that need help with a young child to, so they can go and do things like haircuts or, or um, groceries. We've got that ability as well. So, and actually some of the training and the learning we do is fantastic too, whether it be a branch level, like having speakers or workshops, right through to the opportunity for uh, leadership training and, and governance experience through the different grades. So. We do lots, and I often say we work really hard, but we have a lot of fun doing what we do, and that's really important as well, that we enjoy what we do, and we're passionate about it. So that's yes. Rural Woman New Zealand in a nutshell, yes. those three prongs, really. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and it's, it's amazing when you actually look into it, what Rural Woman has been involved with uh, the organisation in terms of lobbying and rural advocacy. What is, you mentioned the leptospirosis um, research that you guys have been involved with. What are some other issues mm. that um, have been resolved really by rural women New Zealand's um, involvement? Well, we're talking about slow broadband. And well, rural New Zealand was one of the quite vocal groups 
uh, that helped get the first of the rural broadband initiatives up and running because they recognised the importance of having internet out into our rural communities as well as cell phone coverage. And that's a big thing that we will keep pushing for is to ensure that our communities are connected because we need to be, whether it be for social interaction, health and safety, education, health, we need to have it. And you know, we always talk about equity for rural that we need to have. So that's been a big one for us, ensuring that our, our rural communities have equitable access to connectivity as our urban counterparts do. Uh, maternal health has been a really big one in the last, probably last two years that we've been working on, ensuring that our rural mums have access to services. And it's been a real worry. And I often read the emails and the posts about that. So that's been one we've been very vocal on as well. You know, we talk about um, schools and trying to keep schools in their communities and how important education is, not just for our school children, but for the education, adult education as well. So um, big things like that. Leptospirosis has been a big one. We've worked with Massey on some of the E. coli um, research that's gone out. So lots of really great stuff that we do. Um, and what we talk about often with the decision makers is talk about the rural proofing um, when they bring a decision going, how will that affect our rural communities? Is that going to be negatively impacting them? Well, I think you need to go mm -hmm. back to square one again. So we talk a lot about um, rural impact analysis and gender impact analysis so that our rural women and girls and their families are not being adversely affected. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting piece of work that we do. Yes, I've definitely seen all the emails and all the information about all these different projects over the years. So it's really good to be able to communicate um, to people who are not aware of how important rural women New Zealand is for rural New Zealanders, whether we realise it or not. Um, yeah, and I think the big thing there also is like if we, because often we will survey, and you know, thank you to farming mums for letting us put our surveys up on the page. So we really do encourage people to, to fill those out and have your voice as well, because the more voices we get, the more uh, context we can get around a, an issue, the better we can give our side of the story. And I guess that's the beauty about being with Rural Women New Zealand is that we are very diverse. We're not industry-based, we are community-based. So we've got members from the top of the North Island to the bottom of the South Island, from the middle of the cities to the high country, and you know from all backgrounds and all ages and all skill levels so we've got an awful lot to give to different um, issues and I really do encourage when you see these surveys please do them because we can make a stronger voice that way for our communities. Yes absolutely also Rural Women has um, a really strong community side uh, of groups of women lots and lots and lots of groups of women throughout the country. How important is it to rural women that the community side of rural women is nourished and maintained for upcoming generations? Really important because that is so much of where the work happens on the ground. So our members are out there working in their communities, supporting the local uh, schools or preschools or other community groups. They are helping in the times, you know, like we've got the floods at the moment, we've had the fires, we've had the earthquakes, and Rural Women New Zealand will be, the members are right there on the floor, making sure that people are being supported. And that's a really big thing that we do, is that social support network on the ground with our members. It's also the opportunity to, you know, help other groups through their charity work. And um, it's actually, what I, is great, is that we can all get together and just have a coffee and a bit of a chat and, 
um, sort things out and get to know each other and support our whole community by saying, here's an opportunity to come and have a coffee or come listen to a speaker or we're doing a workshop on something so that we're open and, and opening to anybody that would like to come along and, and be part of it. So that for women that are moving to areas where they don't know anyone, they, there's an opportunity for them to actually get to know a whole group of other women and many of them will have been through that situation. And many of us, of course, all mums who understand the issues of being a young mum at home with, with children. So there's all that sort of thing that we do, uh, which is great and um, really, really need to be part of. Yeah. One of the things that a question that was put through that I'd like to put to you is um, Rural Women New Zealand, the organisation, does have a little bit of an um, ageing membership in the kindest way possible. Um, knowing what I know about rural women and how much I appreciate them and like I'm, I'm living in um, an ex, oh, I'm not sure exactly what a role is, but a, a house of a rural woman who came in when we needed it. So I appreciate them to no end. What's rural women doing um, within the organisation to make sure that the, the generation the younger generations are coming up into the organisation and getting involved and learning more about what's going on. So I think that's really important with uh, the social media networks that we, we have and like sharing with, with farming mums is absolutely fantastic but when we do have issues because a lot of people don't have time to go to meetings and get together. So we're actually changing how we do things so that we can connect online with people and they can give their feedback. So if they're issue-based uh, people, they can help with that. Um, we're also trying to, we have what we call um, individual members who may not have access to a branch or be able to go, but they can connect through through social media with other individual members, go, let's go and have a coffee, let's go and have a wine, and, and we have our regional bases where we um, invite all members to come along to different functions as well, so you don't have to be, you don't have to be part of a branch to become a member, you might have a different interest. Um, last year at at AGM, we had some incredible issues workshops all around the things that we work on. So there's education, there was health, there was social issues, uh, telecommunications, and giving people the opportunity to have their voice through that and meeting like-minded people that they can discuss issues with and get together and, and talk. And it's actually um, encouraging young women that have want to have a say or want to get some leadership experience or be involved, it gives them a really good platform to do that. And so if, if these women you know, out there are really looking for some way to get involved in their communities, uh, get a step up in their leadership uh, roles, however, and or they're needing help with their children or with something on farm or in their community, it's a great place to start. And yes, we will support them. Yeah, and I certainly have to thank the um, local branch of Rural Women to Me here in South Canterbury who um, helped fund my Kellogg uh, program. So that's it's it's amazing what they'll do. They'll do anything for you. So I absolutely encourage anyone listening to learn more about Rural Women New Zealand and um, think about getting involved because it's it's more it's more than um, you know meeting up with people and meeting up with like-minded people. They do so much. So what are the other organisations that um, you represent uh, at Rural Women New Zealand in or are involved with? And I understand this is also not only on a national level, but on an international level. Yes, so I 
through my role with Rural New Zealand, I'm on the uh, Rural Communities Trust, which is um, a charitable, charitable organisation. So we give funding to rural communities for different projects, uh, which is really great to see. Um, I'm now the chair of the New Zealand Ankia Trust, which is pretty exciting and um, looking forward to taking that on, especially in the stage where environment such a, a big issue and such a um, topic of discussion. Um, so that's really good. I'm also on a consumer advisory panel with Transpower, so getting the rural perspective over into some of these other large corporations is really important and being that voice. Um, I represent Rural Women New Zealand, I have overseas and I will be again. Um, so I went to the Commission for the Status of Women at the UN last year in New York to talk about the issues that rural women in New Zealand face. And that was an amazing experience connecting and networking with uh, NGOs from all around the world and discussing what their issues are, how much we have in common and what we can do about it. And um, I'm leaving this time next week to head to Melbourne for the Associated Country Women of the World, their Triennial World Conference. So that's an organisation of about, I think, 8 million mm -hmm. women from around the world. So there's about 800 of us all heading to Melbourne for a week to go through a whole lot of issues and supporting that and what we can bring back from what's happening globally to New Zealand. And very cool, we get to uh, show the She Shares movie over there to the women. So taking that global because we were one of the sponsorship partners to help get She Shares the movie up and running, um, which we're really proud of what that movie's done for our rural communities, for the sharing industry, and especially for women in the industry. It's been fantastic. So lots of other things that we get to do and represent uh, rural women New Zealand on around, as I say, around the world and around the country. So the opportunities that we get through an organisation like this, uh, it's hard to actually gauge how valuable it is because it just keeps changing with time going, wow, you know, we've had meetings recently with both the Prime Minister and the Deputy Prime Minister to get our issues across to them. And we uh, do meetings, I was down at the Interim Climate Change Commission forum the other day, putting agricultural side over there. So this is what we get to do. We get to learn so much and we get to meet some amazing people from around New Zealand and around the world. So yeah, that's who knows where it's gonna go from there when I finish my term, which is the end of next year. Great, so you've been involved with Rural Women, I think you said 13 years now. Um, what would you say has changed in that time that you've witnessed? Is it, I feel like change has happened quite quickly. Would you agree with that? I agree. So, um, so having worked in the rural industry, you know, for so long, it's been so male dominated in so many of the roles. You know, I, I was the only woman working in my rural stores and, and some of my sector, which could be quite hard at times. And uh, you can see that changing over time. We've got so, so many women who are coming through with wonderful leadership skills uh, and getting the confidence to step up and take on roles within uh, the rural industry, agribusiness and the agri-sector. And we see that, I guess, in some of the meetings I go to, whereas before it, there might have been one out of 20 women there. There's now almost half the room would be mm -hmm. women in leadership roles within the agri-sector. And that's amazing to see. And I, I think we can see the whole thing changing because the way that we, we think and work, the agri-sector's come a long way and it's great to see so much of the dynamics change. 
and you know it's thanks to uh, organisations and training such as Lincoln through uh, Kellogg's and through the Agri-Women's Development Trust that these women are getting these opportunities to actually learn their confidence and learn what they, they can do and what their values are and the difference that they can make. And I think as women in the agri sector, it's really important that we support other women to take on these roles, to take on these leadership, um, take on these positions, and actually further that growth within our in our sector. Yes, I certainly feel like very lucky to be in to be a rural woman today. And for the past, you know, I've been doing that for the past twelve years now. And yeah, I. I it's a better time more than ever. Some of the comments we used to have on farmer mums was, oh, my, my nana told me never to marry a farmer because you'd never see him. He'd never be home and you'd live miles away from anywhere. You wouldn't see a family. But in this day and age with technology and travel and everything being so much more accessible, being a rural woman is such a blessing, I think. Um, and I, think so. it's, I feel very, very lucky. Yeah. So the opportunities for women living rurally are so much, as you say, the connectivity. And we see that through our, um, our rural business awards every year that we have with these incredible women starting these businesses up out in, in the rural sector because they either see a need for that or they see a gap and they've got these skills that they brought from town or from, from another job and they go, I need something for myself. I need something to bring some more economy into, the, into our rural um, industry or a, a practice of farming business so they start these businesses up and we just see them grow and where they go from um, strength to strength because of the ability to connect into the outside world you know with with the strength of um, the internet and be able to do things over mail order and um, connect online is so important so we're seeing that changing so much from women tending to be, you know, like when, in my mother's generation where you didn't really go out to work, you stayed at home and, and did all the right things to now we're actually wanting our own careers, we're wanting our own independence, we're wanting our own money so that we can feel valued and we feel our own worth because often in the past that may not have happened because we may not have had our own money or or role. So I see this the confidence in our women growing and seeing these businesses happen is brilliant and I really want to keep supporting those women and in these businesses because each year I go my goodness how did they think of that and um, it's inspiring so well done to you out there all you women entrepreneurs that think up these great things I don't know how you do it sometimes <laughs> yeah one of the people that comes to mind straight away is Kerry and Haiti who have Ericon a past um, winner and I've worked with them a little bit in the past who are local and they've started off in South Canterbury and now they're nationwide. And they are the intelligent, incredible, multitasking, multifaceted woman. And they absolutely blow my mind every time I hear more about them. And they're just a perfect example of what's possible and how you can use transferable skills and past um, qualifications or experiences and turn it into a new career that fits around your life. Absolutely. And the learning that you can get from taking the step by step and getting that support, that mentorship through this, you, you can grow to, to where they are. I mean, we've had other businesses that are just going global because of what being on the awards and the support they've had from sponsors or from other people coming in has been, it's been so invaluable for them. And I really encourage the people to go, actually, what can I do? 
um, and have a go and get that support from your local communities uh, because we're finding that uh, these businesses starting up and they're able then to start employing other women within the business and understand that flexibility around children and schooling and holidays is really, really important because if we're already in that business and we have children, we've got, we understand their flexibility needs, whereas traditional businesses don't. And mm. I think we're seeing a change in the way people are doing, doing their businesses as well to allow for that, that to happen, for those equitable opportunities for women to be part of it. Yes, completely understand that and, you know, feel that myself. Um, I've been very lucky in those types of positions also. Um, to take it to a slightly different angle as we finish up, so there's a lot of women out there who are at home with the kids on the farm and they don't know what to do next. They know they want to do something, but they aren't sure what or how or where. What would, what would you say to them to get kick-started to professional development, personal development, contacts? What, what would be your first protocol? So I think it's actually sitting down with somebody to talk about, you know, where you are, where you want, where you think you might want to go. Find yourself a mentor. Find somebody that you're supporter. It doesn't have to be a really high-powered mentor. It can just be somebody that'll be there going, okay, where do you want to go? Why do you want to do this? Um, what what skills have you learned? You know, what committees are you on or what have you learned from being here? What's your qualifications? How can we get that? What's your passions? And write them all down on a list and then decide, you know, something how you want to go and then look for opportunities. Certainly personal development is really, really important to get yourself that confidence to say, yes, I can make a difference. So there are lots of programs out there that will help you do that. And whether it be and or being part of an organisation that can give you those skills, you know, something like rural New Zealand, actually I want to learn some leadership skills or I want to meet this like-minded woman so I can get on the road to where I want to be. And uh, I think that's really important is actually sitting down and discussing where you want to go or why you want to do it. And then certainly get, get some development for yourself, get that confidence to say, yes, I can make a difference. You say, I can do that role. And then move on from there. And each step, make sure that you do have those mentors coming through with you to support you on your journey because there are always some really, really tough times. There'll be times that you just, as I say, you just don't want to play the game anymore. You know, stop the bus, let me off, because it gets really, really tough. And the further, I think, you get up, you know, those t tougher times do get hard. So it's important to have somebody that you can talk to at those times to go, actually, you're fine. You know, get it get it together and let's keep moving forward. So really important that yeah, you have those right people to support you through, those, um, through that journey as well. And believe in yourself, I think, is the number one thing. You've been... On farm, you've been working before that, you've had a career, you have children, you've got an amazing place to live. What can you do out of that? What what skills have you learned? And you have to take that forward. Yes, 100%. I absolutely agree yes. with you there. And I, I personally get a real kick out of being able to sit down with people and work through that. And it's only because other people have done that to me. And it's those types of things that I picture you know, those army exercises where you've got to climb over the big wall and someone's at the top pulling you up and they hop down Then the next person pulls the next person up. I think that if we really keep that mentality and allow people to help us, then it all comes around in a circle and we're going to be able to give back to people in the future. So, yeah, I, another thing, I never feel 
like you're a burden on someone because I'm sure there'll always be a time where you'll be able to help someone else in a similar position. Oh, absolutely. I think the biggest kick I get is actually uh, working with women um, who go, oh, I don't know where I want to go, and actually supporting them on that journey mm-hmm. and celebrating with them as they get to each milestone or each new role or is actually, for me, I get such a kick out of that. And I think any mentor does that. And so if people are feeling, oh, no, I can't ask just somebody mm-hmm. to help me, oh, it's that first step of bravery, of courage to say, please, can you help me? Because you know, 99% of women or, or anybody will say, absolutely, I'm really keen to be on this journey with you. How can I help? So never be afraid to ask for help. And, you know, there's a couple of other things. You know, you get on that journey and you start wanting to have a go at everything. You know, oh, I'm going to have a go at that. That'll add. And we have to learn to say no. Mm-hmm. That's another big thing that women have to do because we will take on so much. And this is probably speaking from somebody that's done this many times because you think it's a great opportunity. Yes, I'll do that and then try and fit it in. And it doesn't always work. Um, we have to learn as women to say no because we do actually have to have that balance in our lives and we want to give everything the best we can without having too much happening. So that's a really big thing I've had to learn is to say no. Um, and we all need to be able to do that. What, what process do you go through to decide when you say yes or when you say no? Is this something that comes back to understanding your values? It is. Understanding my values. Does, does that actually fit with what I believe in? You know? Is that, or is that, you know, contrary to something that I'm not doing, you know, is there, you know, and I actually look at the structure of whatever it is, going, how how am I going to get on with these people? Because, you know, you actually have to be able to get on as a team. And it's also understanding personality types going, can I work with this group? Is this something I really want to do? Does it spin my wheels? And I'll often, I'm actually learning to say no really quickly now because, because of the time restraints. And I think we all have to learn that and look at our values look at our why, um, what's in it for us, or what's in it for everybody else, is this going to be supporting my community? And that, yeah, it's very much that way. And if you feel uncomfortable in any way, look at it twice, and often say no, sit back, and then see later on you may have another opportunity. Just don't rush into it because somebody offers you something and you think, oh, I have to take it, um, because often you'll regret that in the end. Yes, and sometimes when opportunities are handed to you like this, you do get excited and you say, yes, 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 yes. And a motto I used to use, which is absolutely foolish, I realise now, was say yes and work out how to do it later. Don't do that. (laughs) That will will fit in. Yeah, and it will fit sometimes in your life, but it's not Mm. always, you know, that's not always the right advice. So definitely before you go um, gangbusters like that, reflect on why you're making those decisions yes and you may be flattered because you do get asked yes but yeah. you say thank you very much actually um, i can't fit that in or it, it's not quite the right time for me and you know say thank you very much and you know because it's flattering to be asked to be done doing these things but you've got to actually look after yourself first uh, n- number one rule is look after yourself keep your um, own wellness and your own um, ability to keep going is important because I often say that our women are the glue to our communities and to our industry because we're the ones that are doing everything in our in our um, farming businesses or our rural industries. We're the ones that are doing the children, the house, the community work, um, mm. all that. So if we fall over, 
that affects everybody. So keep ourselves well is the number one rule that I try and stick to when I can. Yeah, you're right. Um, the last thing I want to ask you is, it's a favourite question of mine, and it's always brings on great answers. What is your why? Why do you do what you do? Because I really enjoy uh, working with people, and I really enjoy getting really great results for the community that I'm working in, whether it be with my swimming club, whether it be with our fantastic little scout group that we've got, um, training people at Surf Life Saving, that sort of thing. It's my why is actually getting the kick out of seeing people grow and seeing what we can achieve together. And for my for my why for rural New Zealand is actually, it's because our rural communities are so precious and so important. And those that live in it need the best support that they can get. And my why is trying to get that for them. And because I live it, I live it every day. And every decision and every issue that I'm working on actually affects me too. So um, that's why I do what I do is actually because I want to make everything really great for people, whether it be a small group, whether it be a large group, it's all about making a difference. And I really get a great kick out of that. That's a really great answer. And it absolutely shows through in what you do each day and what you're involved with. So with that being said, I'd really, really like to thank you for your time, um, Fiona. It's been fantastic to talk to you. I always really enjoy talking to you and I love feeding off the passion that you um, you give out with what you're involved with. It's really exciting and it's really reassuring to know that there are people like you in New Zealand and in real New Zealand um, making sure all of our lives keep ticking over and improve by the day. So thank you again so much for your time. Well, thank you, Chanel. And it's absolutely amazing what you're doing for our rural communities. Um, now we've often talked about what you do with the farming mums and the other groups that you're involved in. And I can see that passion in you as well. And I think that's where we're quite well aligned because this is what we want for our communities. This is what we want for our women. This is what we want for our families. And what you do in this new podcast system, for us to be able to share that for our women to see that they can make a difference too is really important. So keep doing what you're doing because it is absolutely fabulous. So thank you. That's great. Thank you for that.